With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, so the UFC has returned home to Las Vegas for a special Halloween event tomorrow night, the first in promotional history, featuring what may be, depending on who you ask, the final fight of a legendary career. So say hello to all of you watching and listening, and welcome you to the UFC Vegas 12 preview show on MMAfighting.com. I almost said Fight Island. I mean, it's just it's just etched in my brain. I am Mike Heck, being joined by Jose Youngs, who Fight Island is definitely etched in his brain. He's here from the comfort of his own home. And Jose, besides being able to do this from your home office, which is always exciting and refreshing, I'm sure, middleweight main event tomorrow night between Uriah Hall and former champion Anderson Silva. This fight is over four years in the making. It was originally scheduled to happen at UFC 198, the night that Stipe Miocic became the heavyweight champion of the world for the first time. But Silva had to withdraw from that fight. So all these years later, we're finally going to see it. I guess, first off, give us your thoughts on this fight just hours before it goes down. Well, in terms of the actual matchup, taking the storyline out of it, I guess it kind of makes sense for their careers. Like, Anderson's unranked, but he's still a big name. Uriah Hall has had back-to-back marquee opponents fall out, and he's not going to fight anyone in the top five. He's probably or, or something like that. He's not coming off the most impressive win. I think it was Vancouver against Shoeface. It was a split decision. So I think it's a good matchup on paper. Uh, it makes sense, I guess. Anderson's not going to fight for the title next. Uriah's not going to fight for the title next. Obviously, Uriah Hall has made it known. Uh, Anderson is one of, if not his biggest heroes in the game. Uh, so I get it. It's not the fight I would have made. I feel bad for Uriah Hall for missing out on the Jacare Souza fight and the Olomero fight, both of which would have gotten him a lot closer to the title picture if he had won. Uh, but Anderson Silva's, I guess, the best third option, I should say. And it's a five-round main event, so... Loses out on two three-round marquee fights, gets probably the easier matchup for him because Anderson, of course, the the oldest the oldest fighter on the UFC roster in a five-round main event, possibly Anderson Silva's last fight ever. So I get it. Wouldn't be the fight I make. What I would have made, but 
so be it. We're here, and we're about to watch Anderson Silva fight, which is always a treat, uh, regardless of whether it's a pay-per-view, co-main event, main event, whatever you want to call it. Anytime Anderson Silva walks into the octagon is uh, is a special, special thing. So looking forward to it. Uh, but again, not the fight I would have made. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the narrative surrounding the fight, and it started with Dana White after one of the Contender Series episodes saying that Anderson's going to fight Uriah Hall. It's got to be his last fight. Talk to his team. That's the decision they made. And at this point, I think most would agree that that narrative has kind of gone away for the most part. Still might be, but it doesn't look likely. But it could be, however, Silva's last fight in the UFC. And this is a guy who began his UFC career 16-0. and Since then, he has two wins in his last eight. One of those is overturned to a no contest, the one with Nick Diaz. The other was a pretty controversial decision win over Derek Brunson that many believe he lost. And, you know, like you said, I know this isn't the same guy that ran through Rich Franklin and Vitor Belfort and Stefan Bonner and, and, and many others. But still, I mean, you've covered enough Anderson fights to know and you sort of alluded to the, to this. No matter what his record is or what he's done in his last eight fights, it is still a very special thing when this man walks to the octagon. Yeah, 100%. And he's one of these guys that, like, anyone wants to fight him. Like, I think Uriah Hall referred to Anderson Silva kind of as a trophy fight. Like, it's not it's not going to push him up the rankings. It's not going to crack the top five, but it's something that he'll be able to tell for the rest of his life. I beat Anderson Silva, who many consider, at this moment in time, including myself, I consider Anderson Silva the greatest middleweight of all time, probably one of the five greatest fighters who ever lived. Of course, you have to mention the asterisk because he did fail that drug test after his Nick Diaz fight. Uh, and Anderson was still himself has described it as a stain on his career uh, but Uriah Hall gets to fight Anderson Silva it's a five-round main event Uriah Hall probably looks better than he has uh, I'm, I did I know I said earlier it wasn't the most impressive performance in his last in his last win but his coach has said it he's a four to seven May he's a completely different Uriah Hall than we've seen in the past he's no longer that fighter that's afraid to pull the trigger if that's the case against Anderson Silva we'll see I'm sure we'll talk about the actual matchup going forward but Uriah Hall deserves big names moving forward Coming off of coming off of wins to push him up the up the rankings, and the fact that they're still giving Anderson Silva five round main events against contenders just speaks to how big a name he is in this sport. And you mentioned Uri Hall, and with all these narratives and storylines and everything going on with Anderson Silva, he's coming in sort of floating under the radar here, way more than he would have been prior to UFC 198. He's Like you said, he's on a two-fight winning streak, first fight in over, over a year through no fault of his own with, with the Jacare positive COVID-19 test before UFC 249, and then Romero falling out before that fight in August. And knowing how Uriah Hall can be, and you kind of saw it at the virtual media day, pretty private guy, keeps to himself mostly, doesn't really like to do media all that much, but do you feel like all these narratives and all the silver retirement talk, it's actually doing Uriah Hall a favor here? Um, I, I, it's an interesting question. I don't rightfully know because I haven't spoken to Uriah, Uriah Hall directly. Uh, so I can't really compare my past interview because my past interviews with him have been terrible <laughs> the, to, to say the least. But I think leaving media days with him, everyone has said they've been terrible just because Uriah Hall doesn't really trust, trust the media or speaks to the media. We've had some fun conversations in the past, but it's basically those conversations that have been unrelated to his upcoming fight. If you like, you know, you get those interviews where you kind of go off on tangents about everything other than fighting. He enjoys those. I don't really think he enjoys talking about himself, his fights, his opponents, and pr pretty much the buildup to fight. So um, I don't know if it's done himself any favors because I feel like no matter what, even if Anderson Silva wasn't retiring, all the spotlight would be on Anderson Silva no matter what just because of who he is. And he brings in a whole country with him from Brazil, and that's a whole other media he has to do. So 
I don't know if the retirement aspect is beneficial for Uriah Hall's disdain for the media, but I think no matter what, Andrew Silva is going to draw way more eyes and way more questions than Uriah Hall. Do you think this is Anderson's last fight? Do you feel um, it? feel it anymore? Uh, I think it depends on what happens on Saturday. If his knee blows out again, like he did against Jared Cannonier, or his leg snaps in half, or he just gets absolutely crumpled, then I could see it's his last fight in the UFC. I could see him fighting in Ryzen or one championship or going to fight in that boxing thing against Roy Jones Jr. Like with, I know they added some weird belt stipulation to Roy Jones and Mike Tyson. Like I'm sure it's something like that weird will have, but if he goes out there and looks super impressive or just pieces up Uriah Hall or knocks him out, I could see one more fight. He does technically have one more fight in his contract. He said years ago uh, that he wants to fight, finish out his contract. And I know he's been calling for super fights, even if they are against Anthony Pettis and Conor McGregor and this and that. So um, I asked me again after Saturday, and I'm sure I'll have a different answer. But right now, my gut says this is this might be the last time we see him in the UFC, but not fight in general, if that makes sense. You touched on this a little earlier, like Uriah Hall beating Anderson Silva doesn't have the same weight it would have had, you know, four, five, six and beyond years ago. He is the rank, the number 10 ranked fighter in this division. And having that name on your resume holds a yeah. lot of weight still. How impactful will a win be for Uriah Hall, especially if he does so impressively? Like, where could that take him? Does it move him at all up the ladder? He might move him a few pegs up from like 10 to maybe like you know, nine, eight, seven, but it's not going to be enough to jump five spots into the top five, especially because the top five of the middleweight division, they, there are big fights coming up. Of course, you have the Hermanson uh, till fight. That's a five round main event. I know Paula Costa is coming off that loss and he wants to fight Robert Whitaker, who looked uber impressive. Jared Cannonier got that broken arm against Whitaker. So we, we, we have to wonder how he's going to, when he'll return. So it's not going to be enough to crack the top five, but it could move him up a few slots. And like I said, I don't know if this is a fight necessarily, for that, for Uriah, I just have a feeling Uriah Hall just wants to fight Anderson Silva in general. Because remember, Israel Adesanya said before his fight against Anderson Silva that that fight meant more to him than fighting for the title simply because of who Anderson Silva was and what he meant to his career. Israel Adesanya said Anderson Silva showed that a tall, skinny, lanky black kid could beat up these big, muscular middleweights. And Uriah Hall is that same build. So I don't want to put words in his mouth, but Uriah Hall has been on record saying Anderson's one of his heroes and his idols. So uh, this is a trophy fight for him and something that he can speak about for the rest of his life if he wins, that is, because we still, there still has to be 25 minutes of action on Saturday. Well, it's perfect segue. Do we have an official Jose Young's prediction here? It's tough, man, because I don't know. It's it. I wish we had seen Uriah Hall post the Vancouver fight which like you said was more than a year ago because if we saw him fight Jacare, if we saw him fight Yoel Romero I would have a much better idea of where Uriah Hall is in his in his career in terms of his actual fighting ability same as Anderson Silva we haven't seen him since the Jared Cannonier fight where his knee blew out in Rio de Janeiro and then before that he fought three rounds against Israel Asana you know who didn't do that Robert Whitaker Paulo Costa. These are guys that were many considered to be the best middleweights in the world, and uh, and Israel Adesanya put him put them away within three rounds. Now Anderson Silva is a completely different fighter. He's very much a counter fighter, so I'm not saying he's better. He's just probably less openings to finish uh, Anderson Silva because he's not like blitzing in or rushing forward, all this and that. Now, again, and on the on the same note, we know what Uriah Hall was like in the past. 
he bites a ton on fakes and feints and everything. If you watch that Robert Whitaker fight, which I agree, which obviously was at UFC 193, which is a long time ago, it's a completely different Uriah Hall. But I recently rewatched that fight just because I want, it, not because of Uriah Hall, but because of the Robert Whitaker performance. Robert Whitaker basically just does very lazy feints, and Uriah Hall bites badly. Like he'll throw spins, he'll he'll spin or he'll block and everything. And Robert Whitaker is just kind of moving very slightly. And Uriah Hall is biting like crazy. Now, Anderson Silva's, everyone talks about that front kick that he knocked out Vitor what, with. That's not the first time he ever threw that. He threw that a ton in his career. It just happened to be, this is the one that knocked out Vitor Belfort. It's a, it's, a, it's a kick or a strike, if you would, that is supposed to set up other things because it snaps forward and then it kind of judges distance and it, it kind of creates space. And then you can, you, you can go from there. Vitor, rightfully so, wasn't blitzing forward against Anderson Silva like his like Anderson Silva's previous opponents of old. Anderson Silva normally did this thing where like you never notice how he leans forward a lot and you try to throw a punch and Anderson can Muhammad Ali duck back and then catch you with that counter a la Forrest Griffin. Vitor Belfort's biggest mistake was he just stayed within kicking range of Anderson Silva. So if you watch that Dan Henderson fight against Anderson Silva, Anderson threw that same front kick. Dan Henderson just didn't get knocked out. Vitor just stayed far enough away not to be in punching range. He wasn't blitzing forward, but he just got caught with that front kick. So Anderson Silva is a master of, of distance management and counter-striking all that. This could be five rounds of like, like the, the Darren Till Whitaker fight. Where it's just like, who's going to make the first mistake? Who's going to do this? But then Andrew Silva has blitzed in before, trying to finish you. But it's usually at the end of rounds, a la Israel Adesanya or the Michaels Bisbing when he got that flying knee. So I have absolutely no idea who's going to win. This could be an exciting fight. Or it could be 25 minutes of you go. No, you go. No, you go. I'm going to say Anderson Silva. I just think he's a better fighter in general. Like, he might not be stronger, quicker, faster. He's just more technical. He's just smarter. He just has a higher fire IQ. And his feints and everything are so masterful. And in my mind, I know Uriah All has bit on a lot worse feints than Anderson Silva throws. If Anderson Silva is, of course, one of the masters of it. So if he falls for that, it's going to be a rough night for Uriah Hall. But if he doesn't and it's a completely new Uriah Hall, which I, I'm hoping we see because I want to see a great fight, you have to shot, You have to side with the, quick, the quicker, stronger, younger more prime fighter but uh, i just think five rounds anderson has a lot of room to play has a lot of has a lot of time to play around with inside the octagon so i made up my mind right now and i say this with zero confidence anderson silva interesting yeah i mean all my picks as you know from watching these preview shows these are based on gut and like what's on my mind at the time and clearly this is a much bigger fight for uriah hall than it is for anderson silva that's clear a win does a hell of a lot more for him than it does for anderson silva and like you talked about jose uriah's found himself like a really great home in dallas at fortis mma his confidence is growing this is like you said idols become rivals type scenario for him but again he's fighting anderson silva and like you said ask israel adesanya what that's like there's a certain level of mystique that comes with fighting a guy like that, no matter what the odds say or anything else. But still, Uriah's got so much to gain here, yet he doesn't have that typical fight week main event pressure, in my opinion, because oh. everything's based on what's Anderson going to do after this fight. So I think Uriah has his big moment here. I think come the second, third round, he's going to be off to the races. Confidence will be sky high. I think he gets the finish at some point in this fight, but I'm very intrigued. I have very little confidence here, but that's just because I don't my guts want. I do want to add... I do think the fact that this is in the apex in the time in the small octagon, 
I think that favors Uriah Hall because Anderson Silva is much, he needs space. He needs all this, 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 this space to have fun and play and all that kind of like uh, inside the octagon. Uriah Hall explodes a la when you see Gegard Mousasi. He needs very little room to catch that. Now, Gegard Mousasi has a phenomenal jab. I think when he rushes in, he be, turns into a completely different striker and leaves his chin wide out, way out there. Uh, you saw it against Douglas Lima. Uh, he's a great striker. I just think Anderson Silva's better. Uh, so I don't think he's going to make that mistake that Gegard Mousasi made. Um, obviously, Gegard got his revenge, and I just he's just a better fighter all around. But I don't see Anderson Silva making the same mistakes that previous opponent like like the Gabe Musasis or all these other fighters that Uriah Hall has put away forever. Um but yeah, Anderson Silva, I said that with no confidence. I just think he's the better overall striker. Yeah, it's one of those fights that the more you dive into it, you're like, hmm, this is a lot more interesting than you think. But it's very fascinating. Uh, we have no idea. We have no idea what kind of Uriah, what Uriah Hall is going to show up because we just haven't seen him. I've heard he's grown up as a fighter and I've heard he's a different fighter. We just haven't seen him in more than a year. I wish he had fought Jacques or Ayola Romero because then I would have a much more confident answer in where he is at his career. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Now, while the main event is fascinating in its own way, the co-main event between Bryce Mitchell and Andre Feely is just bananas at 145 pounds. Under the radar division, in my opinion, I think people are starting to notice that it's very deep in talent from 1 to 30. And, I mean, as everybody knows by now, Mitchell has looked 
phenomenal as of late. He's now in the rankings. Feeling Feely is a veteran. He's been in the UFC for a while. He wants that elusive number next to his name, and he's going to have that opportunity tomorrow night to get it. So I'm just going to lay out for you, Jose. This is a martial arts fight personified. Have at it, my man. Yeah, this is an awesome, absolutely awesome matchup. But this is a massive jump up in competition for Bryce Mitchell. Bryce Mitchell has looked phenomenal as of late. But what is he, like 3-0, and 4-0 in the UFC? Um, and he's not fought anyone inside the top. Has he fought anyone in the top 20? Like, obviously, he's not fought someone with a rank with a number next to the name of the top 15. His last one against Charles Rosa, who's great. But very until recently, he hasn't even won outside the city of Boston. And he, what is most impressive with that win is Bryce Mitchell beat Charles Rosa at his own game. And that was on the ground. Almost like he tried to set up all these weird twisters and submissions and all that stuff on Charles Rosa. But it was, uh, it, it was, it was a decision. Uh, Andre Feely is of course coming off a split decision too. I just think Andre Feely has fought in better competition. He has what I would give the striking edge for sure to Andre Feely. I don't know how they compare on the ground. Mitchell is very awkward. Uh, Andre Feely, I've, again, Andre Feely trains with the arrive favor. So when, when you have, I, the joke is like, everyone kind of knows team alpha male submission game. And that's the, the guillotine that every single alpha male member seems to have. So I'll give the edge to Mitchell just because I don't really know. So I'm just, it's kind of just default. We've seen what 30 minutes straight minutes or something crazy of Bryce Mitchell's grappling. We haven't seen a lot of it against Feely. Feely's who, what his last few losses are to cater off time. I had cater, uh, Michael Johnson and Sadiq Youssef, like top 10 featherweights at every, every time they pretty much fought. So I give the edge and experience striking, Everything overall to uh, Andre Feely outside of the grappling. Now, if, if Bryce Mitchell can get the fight down and just control the fight like he did against Charles Rosa, who Charles Rosa is a high-level black belt, an incredibly high-level black belt. So to say he controlled Charles Rosa, like if you don't know who Charles Rosa is, that is unbelievable to do. So, But I still give the slight, slight edge to Andre Feely. I don't think it will be a stoppage. I just think this will be... And I, I know I said it's not going to be a stoppage, but remember when Edmund fought Derek Brunson? It's just a matter of there are levels to this, and I fought in better competition than you. Not to say Bryce Mitchell isn't good. He could very well be a champion moving forward. At this point in the year of our Lord, 2020, <laughs> I think Andre Feely is a better fighter. But in the end, Bryce Mitchell might be better down the road. Right now, I favor Andre Feely. I want to preface this by saying I am in no way comparing Bryce Mitchell to Habib Nurmagomedov, no way, shape or form. However, there are like brief, subtle similarities between them because Mitchell is such a stud on the ground. Yeah. And even when you know what he's going to do, you can't stop it. I mean, just ask Charles Rosa about that. Charles Rosa in every interview is like, yeah, his ground game's good, but I think I'm bigger and stronger. And then you get in there with him and you feel how good he is on the ground and his control. And you're just like, oh my God, like, what is happening right now? And you can avoid submissions all you want, but if you're on the ground with Bryce Mitchell, it could be a very, very long night, no matter who you are. And even though you know it's coming, fighters still underestimated. I mean, Bryce Mitchell, you don't look at him and be like, oh my God, this guy would this guy would crush you. If you saw Bryce Mitchell on the street, you'd probably talk some smack to him if you didn't know who he was and think you could take him. And then you'd end up on your back and not being able to get up. But and straight, and in 
things will get very interesting. And I definitely favor Feely in that. But Feely is no slouch on the ground. Like it's not a, he's not a guy yeah. that spends a lot of time there, but he's no slouch. High level stuff about to happen in that octagon tomorrow night. I'm with you. I'm leaning Feely. I don't think he finishes Bryce, but I think it's one of those fights, Jose. And, and I want to see if you agree with this, that I think it's going to be so close and so competitive that neither guy is going to suffer a whole lot from it. I agree. I don't think there's going to be a clear cut winner in this. I think it'll be very closely contested. I think if Bryce Mitchell can, if, if Andre Feely can keep the fight standing for like the first two rounds, the first round and a half, we have never really seen Bryce Mitchell kind of have to power through adversity like Andre Feely has faced in the past. Like even, I know I mentioned those names before, but like, doesn't Andre Feely have losses to like Yair Rodriguez, Max Holloway? Like he's losing to like the best of the best at featherweight. Bryce Mitchell has not had to climb that mountain yet. So for all we know, Bryce Mitchell could have that in him. We just haven't seen it. Uh, so if he looks frustrated and Andre Feely can keep the fight standing, I'm curious to see what happens. But I and I'm again, I'm prefacing this with I don't know what went on Charles Rose's camp or any of any of uh, Bryce Mitchell's opponent's camp. Like you said, Bryce Mitchell doesn't seem like a fighter. If you saw him, you'd probably talk smack. Maybe they underestimated him. Maybe Charles Rosa was so confident in his ground game that he didn't nearly train as much as he should have leading up to that fight. And all of a sudden, Bryce Mitchell is training on the ground so much that he's just fresh. He's good to go. He's been getting these reps in. And then Charles Rosa's like, whoa, this is not the fight I expected. I know my basics to defend, but I don't know what's happening right now. Now, Andre Feely has, has been on record saying he's basically lived and breathed grappling for like the last six weeks. If he's clicking on all cylinders and he's going in ready to grapple and he keeps it standing and can defend, not only defend submissions, but get back up and continue the onslaught, it's going to be a long day for Bryce Mitchell. But if Bryce Mitchell gets you down and gets in all these real weird unorthodox submissions and just controls you like he did against Charles Rosa, it's going to be a bad night for Andre Feely. It's it's another really tough fight. I just favor Andre Feely slightly right now in 2020. And people tend to forget that if there are just a couple of different people sitting at those judges' tables, Andre Feely could be on a seven-fight winning streak right now yeah, because 100%. there are a lot of people who felt he beat Michael Johnson. There's a lot of people who thought he beat Sidney Gusev, too. Mm -hmm. That was a great fight, and the Jordan fight was just awesome. Just an incredible fight. Really looking forward to that. Main card rounds out with Kevin Holland taking on newcomer Charlie Ana, uh, Charles Onaveros. Of course, Onaveros coming in on three days' notice. What a year it's been for him. Greg Hardy missed weight on his first attempt, made it just under the mark. It was a 264.5 on the second attempt. He makes it. He takes on the crochet boss, Maurice Green. And then Bobby King Green, looking for his fourth win in 128 days, take it on Tiago Moises, one of the biggest stars of 2020 right now, Bobby Green. What a move and some moving and shaking that he's had. And he's saying he's already got a fight booked in December, too, which is just wild. This could be one of the best years you know, for a lot of guys in the UFC, this is just wild. But uh, as we typically like to do here, Jose, we like to shine a light on fighters and or fights that may not be getting that love heading into tomorrow night. So what is flying under the radar that uh, should be getting some more love? Well, I'm going to say I listened to your weigh-in show and you guys are arguing about athleticism and this and that and who's such like I agree in the end. You don't have to be athletic to be successful in the UFC heavyweight division like Mark Hunt was successful. Uh, we've seen a lot of these guys that just hit hard. And it's the heavyweight division. One punch, you go to bed. But Greg Hardy is an NFL pro bowler. He has 26 sacks in two seasons. Like, enough of this, who's the most athletic heavyweight? Greg Hardy is the most athletic heavyweight in the heavyweight division right now. He's like 30 or 29 or something like that. He's in the prime of his career. The dude went to the NFL. 
the NFL and was a pro bowler and had almost 30 sacks in two years. He's the most athletic heavyweight right now. He might, he's not the best fighter by any means. He's not the most skilled. He's not the toughest. He's not the hardest hitting in terms of athleticism. Greg Hardy is a different level of athlete right now. He is like, you know, the whole thing that uh, Dominic Reyes was like, oh, John Jones has never fought an athlete, this and that. Greg Hardy is still is on a level above that. He reached the pinnacle of his sport, the most popular sport in America, and was one of the best at it. So he's... And unfortunately, I obviously the narrative surrounding him, everyone knows the narrative. It's unfortunate because he's seems he's doing everything right. He's gone to the good the good gym. He has the right coaches. He's taking the slow build. He was brutally honest in his virtual media day where he's saying, I'm a B-level fighter now. I came into the UFC, I was D-level, and now I'm a B-level. It's refreshing to hear. It's just unfortunate that the narrative is always there because you can't not talk about it and you can't not think about it. Now Bobby Green, like you said, is awesome. Uh, I can't remember who called him out, but someone called him out on Fight Island, and he basically went full Candyman on him. And was like, you say my name, I'm going to appear. I just had to throw that in for, to keep in the Halloween narrative we're going right now. So Bobby Green is a terrifying human. Anyone that has skull tattoos, like when I say skull tattoos, I mean tattoos on his skull. You're a different level of human being, too, because you can take some serious pain. Bobby Green is, is such a joy to watch. I've, inter- I've been at pretty much all of his fights outside of this one. And Dustin Jacoby, I was at his contender series fight. He was awesome. He was throwing standing elbows and trying to, I can't remember his opponent's name, but basically just hit him with everything but the kitchen sink. And I even asked Dustin Jacoby, like, he, when you fought in glory, you can't throw elbows. And he was just winging him in there. He's like, it was fun, man. But then he said it hurt. He he had to. Uh, what do you, what did he say? Like when you, when you train kickboxing stuff, you have those big gloves on, and you can block. You can block things much easier with kickboxing and boxing gloves. And he said the four ounce gloves really caught him off guard because his hands hurt so much. Now, who's he fighting? Justin Ledet, if I'm not mistaken. Justin yeah. Ledet has pretty much lost to everyone that was a prospect, a light heavyweight. And obviously has a very some very impressive wins at heavyweight, drops back down, and just gets thrown into wood chipper after wood chipper after wood chipper. So uh, I like Dustin Jacoby. He's a very underrated interview because he loves talking fighting, very brutally honest. Where his first two UFC fights before getting cut, one of them didn't even air on Fuel TV. Like it was cut for time. And the other one was like a Facebook prelim back in the day. So uh, the fact that he's getting this this his second chance at the UFC. I'm very excited for that. Unfortunately, Courtney Casey can't be on this card because their opponent uh, had weight cutting issues. I was, I was, I'm always excited to see Arizona's own Courtney Casey. She is like low key. She kind of has like, like she could scrap. Like she's not going to take shit from anyone. She's going to throw down like bite her mouthpiece. So uh, obviously the crochet boss. I always look. I always in, enjoy watching him fight. A lot of lot of individual fighters. Uh, I'm excited to see, but selfishly outside the main main and co-main, I'm very excited to see Dustin Jacoby back inside the octagon. Yeah, you can find some stories in like all of these prelim fights, like Miles 100%. John, even the first one. Miles Johns, one of the yeah. prospects at 35, coming off the first loss of his career to Mario. I was at I was at his fight in Houston, and then Kevin not be that. I've commentated one of his fights in Arizona. So there you go. That's a fun fight. Of course, the Tibby Dodd story to get to the UFC and the Brian Kelleher situation and the COVID test. I mean, so much going on there. Dustin Jacoby, like you mentioned, first fight in almost nine years. Uh, Sean Strickland back after almost two years yeah. after that motorcycle right. accident. After you watch this, go to MAFighting.com and read Damon Martin's story on Sean Strickland. It's pretty yeah. unbelievable. Uh, he takes on Jack Marshman, who missed weight. So he gets a little extra money in his pocket. Adrian Yana is making his UFC debut against Victor Rodriguez, also making his debut. But, Jose, you already know what I'm picking. Oh, Alex no. Hernandez. That's why I didn't say it. <laughs> Alex Hernandez 
versus Chris Gritzmacher is a really interesting fight because you have Gritzmacher who couldn't build upon the momentum of that Joe Lozon win, which he left him in a bloody heap in Brooklyn. And then he got hurt. It was a neck injury, then a knee injury. And it's been well over two years since he's competed. So interested to see what he looks like getting back in there. And then you have Alex Hernandez, who basically got thrust right into the top 15 after like under a minute of octagon time with Benil Dariush. Beats OAM, then the Cerrone loss, which everyone seems to remember because it was like the classic heel turn for Hernandez. Gets the win over Trinaldo, a fight that a lot of people felt he didn't win. And then, he gets finished, and then he gets finished by Drew Dober. And it was interesting when I talked to Alex, he said, I knew in the middle of that fight that I needed to leave San Antonio. Like I'm thinking about it as I'm getting punched in the face wow. by Drew Dober. Yeah, I'm not really ready for this. I need to make some changes. He did that, went to Colorado, he was brought in with open arms by Factory X, training with guys like Brandon Royval, guys like Yusuf Salal, getting you know good work with Mark Montoya and all those guys. Like he feel, it seems to me like he's in a much different place. He's never had a chance to really grow up in the UFC. He just right. got thrust right into the to the killers right away. So I think this is a good test for him to see where he's really at and see those changes made. But Chris Gritzmacher is going to come right after him and try to do what he did to Joe Lozon in that fight. So that's a really interesting one. And of course, Bobby Green. Man, this guy's making a case not just to be the, you know, the the most uh, you know, the best fighter at 155 this year in terms of wins, but this guy's like trying to get some nominations for a fighter of the year. If he can win this one and then fight in December, win again and go 5 and 0, oh, that's insane. That is That would insane. tie that would tie the UFC record for most wins in a calendar year. If I'm I believe Neil Magny and um Roger Huerta went 5 and 0 oh in one calendar year. It's so crazy. So this will be a record for him if he wins tomorrow. Four four wins in 128 days. That'll be a some UFC history. So this there's a lot to lot to like tomorrow. A little a sneaky good card on Halloween. It'll be spooky. It'll be fun, and we're all gonna watch it. And Jose, you'll be able to watch it from home, which is even better. Alex Savas, our boots on the ground, giving you a weekend off. So doing phenomenal work too. She's killing it out there. Absolutely. So the prelims kick off at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Excellent. And then the main card kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we'll have all of your coverage. Alex will have you all the backstage interviews. We'll have a post-fight show, all the recaps on MMAfighting.com. So you know where to go, your one-stop shop. For Jose Youngs, I am Mike Hack. Another preview show in the books. We'll see you tomorrow night. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts.